Hi, welcome back to Homeschool Minnesota. This is Dale Annand. I work with Mache Minnesota Association of Christian Home Educators um, as their director of outreach. Today, I wanted to talk to uh, somebody who is very, very interesting, and I think it's going to be something that a lot of people will be um, excited to hear about. It will answer some questions, maybe. So today, we're going to be talking with Kelly Noah from the Minnesota Council for Gifted and Talented Children. So, um, yeah, we're just going to be talking about gifted kids and what that means and homeschooling them and uh, how that affects our family, how that affects just our curriculum choices. That will be on another day. But just some basic things about gifted and family, uh, gifted and talented children. All right. So getting started with Kelly Noah, who is a homeschooling mom herself, aren't you, Kelly? I sure am. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. A little bit about me. I live up in Maple Grove and we've got two boys right now are 12 and 10 years old. We've been homeschooling them since they were little guys. Um, I've been volunteering for the MCGT Choices chapter since they were quite young. We used to be the homeschooling chapter, but we found that many of our families were taking a year by year, kid by kid approach. So we just broadened our umbrella a little bit and made our name the choices chapter. That's um, wonderful. It's wonderful. And you know, I'm not a professional gifted uh, professional in any way, but I do have the privilege of talking to a lot of families with gifted kids. So I enjoy being able to share what I've learned from all of them. Well, I'm very excited to talk to you today, Kel Kelly. So let's just get started right away with the first question I asked you when I first talked to you, and that is what is giftedness? Oh, giftedness. Uh, that is such an unfortunate label. Uh, I mean, we know that every child is a gift and we know that every child has gifts. Exactly. Right. And then it can be um, confusing because then when we're talking about giftedness, we're not talking about those beautiful things that are parts of every child. Um, the Columbus Group has a definition that I love. And to paraphrase it, they say that giftedness is where asynchrony meets intensity. That's really cool. So you might have to explain what asynchrony is. Absolutely. So asynchrony is being not in sync in terms of having your intellectual, social, emotional pieces of you not all be at the same age level and maybe not the same as your chronological age. Okay. So like you could be a three-year-old who is mm -hmm. writing their letters and numbers, but you still act like a three-year-old. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we all know. We all know how that can be. Um, and then, so if you're, if you're doing like an asynchronous learner, what would be a trademark of that? A trademark of that, um, can look like a lot of different things, but that might be a kid who is trying to do a certain grade level curriculum and they're way beyond part of it. And part of it might be too tough for them as well. Okay. So they don't get pigeonholed into a grade level very easily. Right. Yeah. And so then they have uh, another word that you use that I really thought was interesting was 2E or twice exceptional. Ah, twice exceptional. That's another unfortunate label. Kind of like, <laughs> right? So Let's get rid of all the labels. Right? right. Um, so 2E, twice exceptional. That means being academically gifted plus having a learning disability or a neurological challenge. So it might be a kid who's academically very smart. But very often that can go hand in hand with something like dyslexia or ADHD or autism or sensory processing disorder. So it's an extra complicated right. into your basket of challenges. Well, and that that leads me to when I was reading through your website and I talked with you a little bit about this was um, when I was reading through the markers of how to know if your child is gifted. 
And I'm reading through it and I'm thinking to myself, man, this sounds an awful like also how to know if your child has Asperger's. Did right. I, did I, you know, some of those markers are the same, right? Right. There's a lot of different kinds of overlaps. And you know, we mm -hmm. talk about misperceptions of giftedness. And one of those is that all gifted kids have to look the same way. And right. every gifted kid is so different in a lot of ways, but there are things that can be an overlap. So we talk about things like an intense focus on your topic of interest. Now that yeah. might be just any kid um, talk yeah. about Minecraft these days, right? Um, right. Or like also, dinosaurs. Or, or dinosaurs, whatever yeah. that might be. Um, but there are many markers that can be a marker of giftedness or Asperger's or ADHD or a lot of other things. So it's really important to um, feather the brakes a little bit when you start going down the internet rabbit hole and finding all the checklists and Venn diagrams of them. Exactly. If you have concerns, talk to a professional. There are so many great professionals in Minnesota that we can talk to about. Yeah, we have a lot of resources in Minnesota. We are so blessed in this state. Yes, and there's even a curated list on the MCGT website of professionals we know who would love to work with gifted kids. Yep. So the, a good thing would be if you suspect that your child may be twice exceptional or gifted in some way mm -hmm. to get a hold of MCGT and just kind of see, you know, talk with somebody there and just see where do you where do you go next? Absolutely. And you know, MCGT is a nonprofit group that's been around since the 1950s. Okay. Most states don't even have a parent support community that's a nonprofit for gifted kids and Minnesota does. So it's a great place to come in and get connected with other families and other resources for having gifted kids. Yeah, like I said, we are we are very blessed in this state with a lot of good resources and MCGT is definitely one of them. And I just want to do a real quick plug. We talked about it in our last podcast, but you all will be at the Mache Conference. Absolutely. And Rochester will be there both days. And we love having parents come up to say, I don't know about that whole gifted thing, but I'm not sure what to do with my kid. Can we talk? <laughs> exactly. So all of you people who are going to the Mache Conference, don't forget to stop by their table and just encourage them, but also ask questions because these women are very, very talented and they know what they're talking about. So happy to talk. Yeah. So one of the questions we had um, that that we you and I talked about before is how can you know if your child is definitely gifted? What are ah. some definite things you can see and go? Yeah, that is definitely gifted. That's great. Um, so the MCGT website has a great um, interactive tool with some markers of giftedness. And they talk about things like you know, intense focus on their topic of interest. Um, but in um actual practice, there are a lot of things that I hear from parents when they're talking about their gifted kids. Okay. Um, so the things that they often will come to me and say is, I love talking homeschooling with other parents, but when we start talking about curriculum, it gets really awkward because we're in a different <laughs> place from our friends. Yeah. Um, or they might have a kid that they know just needs more, or I'll mm -hmm. often hear them call their kid as being just a little bit extra. There's a lot to them. Um, you might have the kid who's um, the absent-minded professor. Or okay. they're really deep underwater when they're thinking about something. You have to reach way down and pull them out from whatever world they're in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right? Or you might have these kids that, um, you know, there are a lot of bright kids out there who are great at learning and they master material quickly. Yeah. But these gifted kids might be more likely to make a leap that you weren't expecting. So you're teaching them addition and they figure out multiplication and tell you what they figured out about it. You yeah, isn't that them, crazy? Right? Like yeah. You teach them notes on the piano and they show you that they figured out chords. It's those leaps 
beyond just being um, a really good learner. Right. 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 They, they're actually very self-taught in a lot of ways. They can be, yes. Yeah. And then they also might have a lot of um, difficulty finding common ground with their same age peers when it comes to interest and humor. It's, and that's a little bit different from um, the kids who are just more mature. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. we find kids who are total third graders when they're third grade age. Right. right. Third grade curriculum. They're unique individuals, but they just hang out with other third graders and other kids of other age, and they fit right in in that kind of that third grade world. Yeah. Um, and then there's kids who are maybe third grade age, and they're more like a fourth grader. Exactly. Right? They like kids who are just a little bit older, and they're advanced in everything that they're doing. Um, and then there's these asynchronous kids, right? Yeah. They might sometimes play like a preschooler and sometimes want to talk academics like a seventh grader. Yeah, they're you know, reading like the Lord of the Rings it. and they're six or right. seven. <laughs> right, And they get it. <laughs> and they get it. And then it scares the pants off of them. And then that's uh, a whole other problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to walk them through all the emotions of why am I reading this? And my friends don't even know what it ta- what I'm talking about. Right, yeah. right. But giftedness looks like a lot of different things. And then sometimes it's the things that are really awkward to talk about. Like, um, did you know that gifted kids are statistically more likely to have a really low or really high need for sleep? So you no, might I the- didn't know that. That is very interesting. Right? You might have a kid who just needs five hours of sleep and they are on the go the other 19 hours of the day. Wow. Or they might need 14 hours of sleep and then they're um, up the rest of the time. Or yeah. um, uh, boys are actually more prone to things like um, sleepwalking or bedwetting. Okay. Right. I mean, so it's all these little things that we don't always talk about when we talk about, oh, you've got a gifted kid. That means they must play the violin and memorize the digits of pi, right? Exactly. Or they could do the whole periodic table at the age of four, you know? Right. Yeah. Basket of fun. Yeah. Well, now that's interesting that, that like their development could seem to a parent like a bedwetting thing or something like that. A physical development could be something that you would be frustrated about, but it could be almost an indicator if you're looking at the whole picture of the whole child that actually it could be an indicator of something more like a giftedness or something else, you know, to not just discount it. So when you're, when you're trying to figure out if your child is gifted to look at the whole package and not just academically. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's good. So once I've done that and I think, okay, I think my child might be gifted. There's a lot there. What would be the very next step I should do? Ooh, that's a good question. My my favorite answer to that is always ask yourself whether it matters. That's very good. Why would you ask yourself that? Right, right. Um, so like um, schools often need that label so they can identify the kids who are going to be able to access additional learning, right? Okay. Can, can we put them in a pullout? Can we advance their curriculum? Can we put them in enrichment groups? And some parents will actually um, do test prep to try to get their kids to pass gifted tests because that's the only way they can access the most quality education in their district. Sure. Right. So now if you're homeschooling, you're already differentiating every day for every kid in your house. Exactly. You're already giving them a quality education in a lot of ways. You're playing to their strength. You understand the age and stage that they're in and you're giving them what they need and meeting them where they are. Exactly. So it might not matter. However, um, there might be a problem you're trying to solve. Yeah. You have a kid who's healthy and happy learner with their friends and family. You might not need to do anything differently. Okay. But if you've got a word that can lead you down some of those search terms, you might be able to unlock the puzzle of other things that are going on with your kid 
or get them connected with other kids who are like them or get yourself connected with other parents who might be experiencing similar issues. Yeah. Which in, in a way is really a lot of it. Like, I love that you ask, why does it matter? Because I think sometimes, like you said, it can be very frustrating because we want our kids to fit in, right? We want our kids to, to be in their peer group. And when they don't, we think there's something wrong with my kid. And it could be that there's nothing wrong with your kid. And it's, it's just, you know, just getting that support that you need so that you go, okay, well, that is normal. That is normal. And so you don't have to, because that can, that can affect your parenting of that child. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And we don't want to do that. <laughs> we want to be educated. One of the things that you had told me before is immerse yourself in info. And I, I assume there's a lot of resources um, that you can immerse yourself in. Oh, there absolutely are. Um, more kind of specific to homeschooling, there are some specific resources I'd like to curate um, for your listening audience. Um, okay. One of them is um, Raising Lifelong Learners has an article titled The Ultimate Guide to Homeschooling Gifted Children. Um, I'll send you a link to that. Okay. It is full of links and resources. And if you want to just start somewhere and you've mm -hmm. got a couple hours to go down the rabbit trail with a hot cup of tea, that's a great <laughs> place to start. Um, there's another great article on um, TJ Ed titled Homeschooling the Gifted Child. And what I like about that article is that it frames your philosophy. Okay. Right. So it's not just, I have a smart kid. How do I get them enough science? Yeah. yeah. How do I think about meeting my kids' phase needs and the needs of their gift and not just their age is what I think I'm supposed to do because they're 10. Right. Exactly. See, that's the thing is thinking, parenting outside the box and realizing we're parenting and educating the whole child, not just their academics. Absolutely. And then one more resource um, I should mention is our choices chapter in 2020, when all of a sudden a whole bunch of folks were looking at homeschooling fresh and Michelle yeah. was really busy. Yeah, <laughs> it was like she was really busy. Um, we recorded a series of panel talks about homeschooling gifted kids. Oh, wow. In Minnesota. Now, those are behind the paywall for the MCGT guests um, or MCGT members, but it is a really valuable series if you want to be able to sit at three in the morning and listen to other moms talk about homeschooling a gifted kid in Minnesota. Okay, so if you do realize that your child is gifted, it would probably be a very good idea to pay to get a membership to MCGT so you can have access to a lot of the resources on their website that you only get if you're a member. Is that correct? Exactly. It's only $40 a year, which is yeah. real money, but it's also pretty accessible. Yeah. And being that you're a nonprofit, that that helps you guys keep your doors open and, and resources coming to the rest of our, our community. Yes. Everything coming through there is through the hands of a volunteer. That's wonderful. That's really good to know. Nobody gets paid in MCGT. Yeah. I think there's some <laughs> office costs that go, that go sure, through. Sure. Like sure. There's overhead, but yeah. 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 Um, okay. So when that happens, so let's say you get to that point. Um, one of the things that I, that you and I had talked about before too, was um, when a child is gifted, oftentimes it manifests emotionally Ooh. in that child. So you could have a child who is very academically bright and, and gifted and, and has some talents and things there, but they have high anxiety or perfectionism. Yes. What do you do about that? How do you handle that? That's a great question. Um, and kind of that first part is that 
understanding that giftedness is this big mixed basket of a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it can come with things like emotional maturity and executive functioning difficulties and perfectionism and anxiety and all of those kinds of things. Mm. Um, so first of all, just to know that that's okay. Yeah. Right. And yeah, sure. to realize that their brains, like all kids' brains, are really, really busy. And mm -hmm. sometimes um, there's one part of their brain that's really, really busy growing. And because they're doing high school physics ideas in their head, maybe their brain's not busy doing things that you would expect their grade level mind to be working on for like emotional development. Sure, sure. A way of describing it without a neurological answer. Um, so just knowing that that's okay. Okay. Um, and educating yourself and getting connected with communities of parents who are um, understanding of how and why these kinds of things happen. There is a group called SENG, S-E-N-G, that's um, supporting the emotional needs of the gifted that okay. are really good at helping explain what's going on and why and giving you tools to help patch through the asynchrony of kids who are having intensities and maybe are not moving ahead on emotional development at the same pace as their friends. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, also too, dealing with other parents, how do you deal with other parents that are noticing these things in your child? You know, parents can be difficult to deal with. <laughs> right? I'm just saying sometimes <laughs> there's that parent right. that you're like, man, <laughs> man. Right. I mean, I think for some of those things, it can be really helpful for yourself to use an analogy of about height. Okay. okay. If anybody's ever had a kid who was really tall for their age, mm -hmm. they've noticed that other parents and even themselves sometimes expect the kid to act their height and not their age. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that same kind of thing can come into play um, with having a gifted kid is helping um, people understand that just because this kid is doing this one thing at something that's an age way beyond them, yeah, it's not going to apply to everything else. Yeah. So um, making sure that your kid's um, giftedness doesn't come across as a carnival trick. Yeah. Right. Or the exactly. other kid, you know, if you've ever seen a kid wear the t-shirt that says, um, no, I don't play basketball. Do you play miniature golf? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or we've all seen them on like Ellen and stuff like that, where they're like, you know, the little girl who can do the whole periodic table and she's three or name all the presidents or, right. you know, and I'm just like, wow, wow. I can't pronounce the names, but you know everything about that president. Absolutely. And that's so a beautiful cute. part for that child to be proud of and for the family yeah. to use that in the way that's right for them. Um, but to help encourage your um, friends to see your kid as a whole child. Exactly. Exactly. Well. And yeah. I think that helps because if you treat them as a whole child, other people will start to see them that way as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, we do find that families with gifted kids might have to put a little more effort into having multiple communities Okay. Where their family and their kids engage, you might have, for example, a co-op you go to because you have a shared faith, but you right. might also have a different group of science friends, yeah, a exactly. different group of neighborhood friends. So it's okay if you don't have a one-stop shop where everywhere you go, um, everyone's just like you in all the categories. You might have to do different places. And but isn't that real life? Absolutely. You know, too. As a child, I think it's really important as parents to teach our children that the world doesn't conform to you. 
<laughs> you have to kind of just find out what works for you and you have to fit into it sometimes, you know? Oh, right. Which any homeschooling parent with more than one kid gets to exercise every single day. Exactly. And that, and then that's, that's gifted or non-gifted. I'm just going to put that little nugget out there. Exactly. Every parent. <laughs> um, so then this brings me to the question of siblings. Ooh. So you have a child who is gifted, obviously in one or more areas and your other siblings, your other children are are not necessarily they're they're fine and they're academically doing well and all of that but they're not necessarily gifted how do you walk that line between not catering so much to your gifted child at the exclusion of making the other children feel like you know they're not as special i guess right. is maybe the word i'm trying to find yep yep i mean i think yeah that's just a, a general concern of all parents right mm -hmm. get one kid who is good at the piano and the other is good at violin or whatever right. it happens to be. Um, so it's just like, again, with any family, you're trying to not let one kid's needs override the rest and right. let each kid shine in their own. Um, specific to homeschooling, um, it's very helpful sometimes to find lessons that you do together as a family and yeah. segregate out the topics where it gets awkward or uncomfortable or starts to cause pressure. So you might have um, you know, unit studies where you're doing language arts and social studies and science concepts together. But math, that just might be something you do with one kid at a time. And you sure. put them in different curriculum programs. So there's no noticing that, well, I'm on grade four book for this, but you got on grade five, even though you're younger than me. Right. So just right. put those differences not at the center of the kitchen table. Yeah, that's really good. That's really, really good. You could also, you know, um, I mean, I just, I, I, thinking about that, I just think about how, how uh, in reality, if we were really, because like I have three kids, I homeschooled all three of my children all the way through and I look at them and it's like, they're all in different ways gifted, you know, um, in, in many different ways. I have one daughter who is extremely gifted in science and, and, and went into a science, you know, um, profession. Um, I have another daughter who's very gifted in math and actually finished ge uh, geometry and algebra two in the same year. Wow. And just, she just, it just was easy to her, her whole entire life, super easy to her. And she just, breeze through math without any problems. And now she's, she's in banking. And um, my son is very creative in just a lot of ways. He was, he was extremely creative as far as like artistically, um, musically. Um, and, and he found his, and I would say he's gifted in those areas in a lot of way and always really, but he's a chef where he can be very creative and very artistic and all these other things. But he also, he was a late reader, but when he started to read, he was reading the Samarillion the second year he learned to read, but he didn't learn to read till he was nine. So, right. So <laughs> and I a, thought he had a learning disability. It turns out, no, actually. <laughs> he was ready. He was ready. I mean, so yeah. the things that a homeschooling parent is able to do for differentiation just yeah. applies. You already have those skills. You just might have to do them a little more deliberately or find some tricks like separating out that one subject where there's the greatest difference between the kids. Right. Right. I just, yeah, I just find that to be such a, a, a blessing. Um, so tell me a little bit more about choices. What is choices and what are some things that families would find 
if they were to uh, visit your website and look at the choices area? Oh, the choices chapter. I love the choices chapter. Um, <laughs> so again, we used to be the homeschool chapter. And in 2019, mm -hmm. we realized that this group that was for um, homeschooled families who had gifted kids or gifted kids who are looking at homeschooling, um, they're really a community of families who take a year by year, kid by kid approach. So they might use some part-time schools, some online schools. They might send a kid to public school for a year because they wanna try it. Um, so we just said, let's, let's open our umbrella and make it clear that even if you're not homeschooling all of your kids right now, we're the place for you. So we're community right. parents. And we do a lot of interesting things to me in that we have parent support events, we have um, kid events, and we have family events. So our kid events might look like um, a mythology exam study group if anybody's taking the national mythology exam uh, this month. Oh my goodness, there's a national mythology exam? There is, see that's oh where you can find families where they get these because so many of these kids, right, love that Greek mythology. That is amazing. Yes. So that's a national exam that happens. So we right now have a, we're just wrapping up next week, but we have a study group of kids who've been meeting together online and in person to study their mythology together in oh preparation for the exam. Or we have things like virtual chess tournaments on, like this last year, we did one on the day before Thanksgiving when everybody's busy cooking. So yeah, a pop-up virtual chess tournament. And as an aside, I love chess as a great connector among kids. Yes, I think so too. My, I, I'm all, you know, my son loved chess. Or my husband and my son-in-law play chess every time we get together. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a, a wonderful game. Yes, it's a great equalizer. A seven-year-old can play with a seventy-year-old. You can play yep. with somebody who doesn't have the same language, and it's yeah. not. Um, it's, it's the same set of rules for everybody. Yeah, it's such a good community type thing. It is, I love yeah. chess. So we do a lot of like virtual chess tournaments and the like. Um, we do some family events. Like last spring, we had Ben Orlin from Math with Bad Drawings came in and did a family event where kids and parents together learned how to play math games with pen and pencil together. Oh my right? word, that's cool. We had yeah. so much fun. Um, so we're just a support community. And then we also have a great message board where okay. people post things that are coming up. They can post a question. They can say, hey, I've been looking for a program that does this. Does anybody know uh, a resource for that? Okay. And so, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I interrupted you. That's all right. I was going to say, and we also have a calendar on our um, groups.io page, which is free to anybody to join. Okay. Um, and there we put the MCGT Choices events. Then we also put the events that are the offered by the statewide board. Like they have monthly virtual support calls for families. Okay. And then we post a whole bunch of other things that we see across the community that our families might be interested. So like when the Thinking Spot bookstore out in Wyzetta has an event, we'll put that on our calendar or we'll put when physics force is coming to town and other events that might interest our families. So it's a great place to see what's going on that might interest those quirky kids a little bit more. That's really cool. And you answered my question because I was going to say, so when you're, if you're not living in the Twin Cities area and you can't readily access your Edina office in your Edina um, area, um, there's still, there's, there are plenty of things for outstate families to participate in because there's a lot of virtual things. Is that correct? Yes. We try to make sure that there are things for our families who aren't right here in the Twin Cities. Um, though there are sometimes some things that are worth driving in for too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like if you're going to, if you see something on the calendar that you're just like, my child would love that, it might be worth a good field trip down here for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much, Kelly. Um, I know we have more things that we want to talk about. So we are going to pause this and go to a part two for those of you who are listening. Um, And uh, I will be linking um, some of the links that Kelly has uh, talked about here, but also I think in our next part of our conversation um, at the bottom of the description of this podcast. So if you want to take advantage of the articles and things that she's referenced, um, please visit the description part of the podcast and it will, I will have the links posted there for you all to uh, be able to follow. All right. So thanks, Kelly. Absolutely. We will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now.